Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Alrighty, so uh, this is a piece by Carl Cannon. Uh, he is the Washington bureau chief at Real Clear Politics, uh, and he is uh, covering a story that was uh, developed based on this Real Clear Politics survey. Um, it was conducted by Real Clear Opinion Research, and they asked people about their views on censorship and free speech. And 90% of voters say they support the First Amendment free speech framework. So that's that's good. I, I, I don't want to overlook the good that that. Uh, that the polling has found because the rest of this stuff I'm going to tell you is, is kind of shocking. <laughs> so we want to always, I got to come back 90% still say that they are, they're, they're fans of the first amendment. Okay. But when asked about specific incidences or examples, uh, people start getting a little wobbly. Okay. We got some problems in the, uh, in the younger generations. Well, Hashtag evergreen. Yes, got, got, they got some problems. The millennials, the Gen Zs, and then the ones that come after the Gen Z, which they're trying to loop it back to Generation A, or they tried to call it Alpha. And I'm not calling it that because I've met them. And so they're not Alpha. So they're A. So you can call them A because you don't call them Zeta, right? And they don't call it Omega, right? They started with X because they couldn't define us. And then Y, and they were like, well, maybe it could be like the question of why. And then it was like, no, definitely not. They're not asking anything like that. They're just Gen Y. And there's like, oh, no, no, millennials. So they got swapped out with millennials. So there you are. And now we got Gen Z. And they still haven't adopted any kind of an identity. And that's it's like a nickname here, people. You don't get to pick it for yourself. It, rule number one of nicknames. You don't get to be like, hey, you know what? From now on, I'm going to be called, you know, Snake. No, you don't. You don't just pick your own nicknames like that. You got to, you know, if you're going to be called Big Country or something, then, you know, somebody has to, hey, they got to give you that name. That's how you get a nickname. And and sometimes they're not good. Just a heads up on that one. So if you, you guys are like, oh, we're Generation Alpha. Mm, no, I'll tell you what. Uh, best I can do is an A. I'll give you an A. All right. So you're Gen A. Gen A. Okay. So now that that's out of the way, um, the younger folks, they, uh, growing up in, an, uh, in a digital age environment, uh, they have uh, lower expectations of privacy. Those under the age of 30 are most open to censorship by GovCo. The older you get, the lower support that, but even still, there's still a corresponding percentage, 26% of people that are over the age of 65, they still say that um, it's more important to them that the government protects national security than guards the right to free expression. And without a specific example, it gets tough, right? Because some of this stuff is uh, anecdotal, right? 
What are you trying to publish? What is this, uh, these secret documents that you have and the government's like, don't publish them, national security. Okay, well, how do you weigh that, right? Asked whether they support free speech, even if it's deeply offensive, 78% of men said yes. Yes, they do. I support free speech, even if it's deeply offensive. Almost 80% of men compared to 66% of women. And Jan says... Uh, only one third? I must have dated every one of them then. I think I married one too. Early in our marriage, I still had my say. That's because I had a comfortable couch to sleep on it. I, I, these days, I just smile and nod, says Jim. All right, whether you support free speech, even if it's deeply offensive. <laughs> right, so, next up. One of the most glaring gaps is between conservatives and liberals, i.e. Republicans and Democrats. On the issue of free expression, Republicans are not the authoritarian party. (gasps) No, really? That distinction belongs to the Democrats, the party launched by Thomas Jefferson, the founding father, who famously said that if he were forced to choose between a government without newspapers or newspapers without a government, I should not hesitate a moment to prefer the latter meaning newspapers without a government. He would prefer to have had newspapers without a government. This is a relatively new development, by the way. Traditionally, opposing censorship, whether imposed by government or corporations, this used to be a bedrock principle of liberalism in America. The American Civil Liberties Union was founded in 1920 to promote and defend free expression. This ideal was at the heart of liberal thought, liberal lawmaking, liberal jurisprudence, This is just within my lifetime that this has shifted. I keep saying this because I see it everywhere. The parties are realigning. The parties have been weakened. That's why the registration numbers are down. States like ours where you can register as an unaffiliated and vote in whichever party you want to. Those numbers where unaffiliated is now the number one registration in North Carolina. Right? More people are registered unaffiliated to vote than either of the other two parties, the major parties, and definitely the libertarians and the greens and the constitutions and the oh, whatever else is qualified. I don't think anybody else is qualified uh, for, the, uh, for the ballot. Republican voters and independents believe speech should be legal, quote, under any circumstances, while Democrats are evenly divided. <laughs> They're like, ah, I'm not, eh, maybe. Is it Trump saying it? Because I would ban that. I'd make that illegal. If it's Donald Trump saying it, then I would say ban it. Republican voters, 74% of Republican voters say speech should be legal under any circumstance. 61% of independents say the same. Democrats are evenly divided. A bare majority of them, 53%. Say speech should be legal under any circumstance. 47% say it should be legal, quote, only under certain circumstances. They are the speech police. This this cancel culture stuff, this is just the way that they are enforcing their will without government coercion yet. But they're trying. I've got a story right here. Headline. New FOIA documents. Department of Homeland Security claimed authority to regulate public discussions of COVID, racial justice, Ukraine, and, quote, irregular immigration. 
You don't say. I'll go into that in a minute. Um, nearly a third of Democrat voters, 34%, say Americans have, quote, too much freedom. One out of three Democrats say Americans have too much freedom, which I was not aware that such a thing existed. This compares to 15% of Republicans. Republicans are more likely to say Americans have too little freedom. Independents are in the middle on both categories because, you know, independents. Um, Majorities of Democrats, Republicans, and independents agree that the news media should be able to report stories they believe are in the national interest. That's good. This consensus shifts, though, when it comes to social media censorship. Hmm. A majority. Why do you think that is? Why do you think like just look at look at because the shift here is among Democrats. It's not among Republicans, Republicans and independents. They they hold fast on this line saying no to censorship in the news industry and no to censorship on social media. But Democrats say no to censorship in the news industry. But yes, Yes, 52% of Democrats approve of the government censoring social media content. So why? Is it because they already believe they control the major media outlets? Right, because would they want to actually, like if they could censor Fox News, don't you think they would? I do. This It, it gets to this old mindset it's uh, captured with the axiom that which is not mandated is prohibited that's the that that it, and it's not that's not liberalism that's illiberalism right that's that's tyranny it's authoritarian it's marxism right it's command control economic stuff it's it's all under that same umbrella of progressivism progressivism the only place it takes you is progressively towards Marxism. That's it. (laughs) You just keep moving forward towards Marxism. All right, you may have noticed that I've been helping the Alzheimer's Association of Western North Carolina for a while, and it's a great organization. they got awesome people with huge hearts. My grandfather died of Alzheimer's when I was a kid, and back then there wasn't a lot of support for caregivers and family. Now, things are different today thanks to the work of the Alzheimer's Association. It's why I support them. Every year we do a series of walks all over the country, There are a bunch in the Carolinas. You can go to alz.org slash walk for a walk to end Alzheimer's near you. This month, there are walks in Hendersonville, Rock Hill, Mooresville, Greenville. And in October, we got Charlotte, Gastonia, Asheville, Kannapolis, Hickory, and Spartanburg. Go to alz.org for all of the dates and locations. We're closer than ever to stopping Alzheimer's. And we're asking if you can help us get there. Will you walk with me for a different future for families? For more time, for treatments, this is why we walk. All righty. So my takeaway here is there are way too many Americans, Democrats, that are pro-censorship. And uh, uh, I'm not cool with it. I would like to censor you. Can I censor the censors? Can I do that? I would like to tell you just a quick story of how important this topic means to me. I was censored. Lo, many, many years ago, whilst writing uh, the uh, editorials for my high school newspaper, 
Indeed. I was the editor. Two years in a row, I was the editor. I was a junior, and I was the editor, mainly because nobody else wanted to do it. And then senior, and I was editor, too. And I wrote a piece, and uh, I don't even remember. I think it may have been about the school board. And the and they yanked it. They said I couldn't publish it. And so rather than publish my front page article, I drew a political cartoon of a member of the press because uh, they had the fedora with the little card that said press. So obviously you could tell it was press and it was that and uh, a big uh, uh, m- like. What do you call it? like something that goes around the ma- like not a blindfold, but a mouthfold. Is that what you would call it? No, because blindfold. A taste fold? Mm, what is it? What happens when you can't taste anything? What is that? Is there? You're not blind. What is your? Yeah. A muzzle, basically. But like this, like a bandana wrapped around, you know, like somebody just, you know, gags them, right? And, uh, and then that said uh, West Islip High School or something. Hey, Pete, so where are you looking for? Mask? Oh, there you go. Very nice, Bernie. <laughs> so, th- so, so my uh, my bristling at at censorship uh, has a long tradition. Okay, so when I read stories like this and I see more and more people uh, apparently being okay with GovCo coming onto social media platforms and wanting to censor content. And I see it really coming from one particular group specifically. And the people on the left. This is why I make a very, I try to make a very uh, in, I mean, intentional effort to say leftist versus Democrats or liberals. Because those are, they're different things, right? A liberal education or a liberal arts education is not what you see in today's university system, you see an illiberal education system. You see the constraining of certain thoughts, the repression of certain uh, curricula. Right? There's not a deep exploration of classics or um, or testing of different ideas impartially, passively. No, it's this training up of the next round of organizers, of activists and radicals, and that's not. That's not a liberal education. That's an illiberal one. You're training the next generation's shock troops. So that's why I try to use the term leftists. Because that's really what they are. Fully three-fourths of, of Democrats, three-quarters of Democrats believe government has a responsibility to limit hateful social media posts. Don't know what hateful means. While Republicans are more split... 50% believe the government has a responsibility to restrict hateful posts. That's still too high. Good God, people, what's wrong with you? It's social media. You should. It's my personal account. I want to post stuff. You know what you can do? Turn the dial. It's always been that way. You can curate. You can ban anybody you want from your social media. You know what you do? You click block. And then you won't see anything that that person ever says. That's how that works. You get to curate. You get to be your own Florida's DeSantis here with the school textbooks and such. You'd, yeah, you can curate everything. 
You don't need GovCo to do it. Indeed, I would say you don't want GovCo to do it. Hey, so real quick, hurricane season is here, and this is your reminder to check your emergency supplies. You should have a three-day supply of food, water, and medicines, minimum. And Carolina Readiness Supply can help you get started or expand your supply. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies too, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you can use for any kind of emergency. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply, will you be ready when the lights go out? All right, got an email uh, from Chris to Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. Pete, the factoid that you just read, X percentage of Democrats say something to the effect of too much freedom. Please read it again. Uh, Nearly one-third of Democrat voters, well, one-third, it says 34%. One-third of Democrats say... Americans have too much freedom. 15% of Republicans say that. Um, It was broke down by party affiliation only. Yeah, that's the only breakdown I see of that. Um, He wants to know the racial breakdown. I don't know what the racial breakdown is. They don't give me that number. And I went to their uh, top line data. All they gave me is the top line stuff. I can't see what's called the cross tabs, which are the, the more... Uh, granular breakdowns on the on the data so all i get is what they give me um where was i fully three quarters of democrats right believe the government has a responsibility to to limit hateful social media posts um democrats are significantly more likely than republicans to favor stifling the free speech rights of political extremists republicans don't vary by the group this is interesting They don't vary by the group. Only about half of Republican voters favor censorship. When asked about the Klan or the Nazis or the commies, whatever, the response is the same. The Republicans are like, we either don't favor stifling their rights or we do. And it's across the board. But Democrats, (laughs) they're like, yes, I want to stifle uh, these extremists, but mostly these over here. Like, they differentiate between different extremists. You see, because some extremists are better, don't you see? Groundbreaking research released earlier this year on free speech by three California college professors um, called Partisan Conflict Over Content Moderation is More Than Disagreement About Facts. They examined liberals' greater willingness to embrace censorship of online content, and they posited three likely explanations, okay? Number one. Liberals are convinced of the presence of a fact gap in the current political environment, which is to say that liberals desire to clamp down on misinformation. That desire stems from a certainty that you're wrong, (laughs) that that conservative content is, objectively speaking, less factual than liberal media content. So because they consume liberal media content that is true Yours is disinformation if it disagrees with them, so I want to I clamp down on you. Number two, 
Conservatives' reluctance to censor is based on a values gap. For example, a genuine belief in the free marketplace of ideas, regardless of the media content. And I would say that is actually more at play. You know why? Because it always has been. Conservatives, what made Rush catch on? What was it? Is that he fi- he finally gave voice to opinions that people had had but had not heard being represented anywhere in media, right? And all of a sudden, here's a guy on the radio and he's saying what I think. Boom, takes off. AM radio saved, right? So this has been the case for 40 years where the the uh, legacy media outlets reflect a certain uh, narrative. And so conservatives have been exposed to those narratives the whole time. Kind of got a thick skin on that stuff. We're like, oh, yeah, okay, New York Times, whatever, you know? Whereas the left is like, how dare you say something that's different than what we've seen in the New York Times? We need to silence that misinformation. Three uh, 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 Explanation number three. What's really at play are party promotion incentives, which the authors defined as a desire to leave misinformation online that promotes one's own party by flattering it or denigrating the other party. That is true, too. Right? This is, I've talked about this in uh, regards to the, uh, to the culture war. Right? When you are in battle, you're willing to overlook the transgressions, maybe some of the war crimes <laughs> committed by your side, because you need all of the firepower you can get. You need all the bodies fighting. You need all the allies you can get in this fight. And so, okay, this guy said something that's like, eh, cringy, but whatever. I'm not going to cancel him. I'm not going to, right? We're not going to throw him in the brig. We need his body out on the, on, on the field of battle. So there's, there's part of that, too. Regardless of the partisan slant of the content, Democrats are more likely to support the removal of content when Republicans, while Republicans, rather, are more likely to oppose removing content. It was Democrats who more often employed situational ethics. <gasps> no, really? Shocking. They give a pass to misinformation that helps their side. Most Republicans did not differentiate based on which way the false headline cut. A comprehensive Cato Institute poll that was done in 2017 documented a similar phenomenon. Asked a series of questions about what kind of speakers should be barred from college campi, Democrats more often based their decision on the political slant of the speaker, while Republicans were wary of the whole censorship enterprise. Right? Situational ethics. It's okay to do it in this circumstance because it's Ben Shapiro. But it's not okay to do it in this circumstance because it's somebody who's like dressed in drag reading to kids. Right? For example, I was talking earlier today with a colleague about this very thing. All of the complaints about the book banning. How would you feel about a Bible study during second period? Could I do that? Can I bring in the Bible, start reading passages from the Bible to the kiddies? No? Why not? Is that a banned book in school? Or is it curated? Right? The censorship, when it's stuff I don't like, then keep that out. And the stuff I don't like is everything conservative. There you go. All right. (laughs) 
I do have some uh, messages here. Let's see. Do, 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 do. This is from Russ. It's a Pete tweet. Pete, the anti-speech trend is troubling. I've also seen surveys showing nearly a third of under 30-year-olds would be open to in-home cameras. Yeah, I remember that one a couple of weeks ago. Uh Uh, being monitored by the government in order to curb everything from crime and domestic abuse to household accidents and bad parenting. Um, Who decides, this is from Mark, who says, who decides who is the extremist? Uh, Also called critical thinking. Well, this is one of the things you always got to keep in mind, that to the Marxist, critical thinking means something else, right? We went over this a couple of weeks ago, I think. Um, Critical studies is critiquing. And not critiquing in order to improve. Critical studies and, and this critique that is uh, uh, the core of, of Marxism, whether it's at an economic level uh, or it's at the governance level, uh, the whole point is to deconstruct. It's to criticize that which is established in order to deconstruct, to tear it down. Right? That's the point. So when you say critical thinking... Your idea of critical thinking might be, you know, objectivity, you approach it from a neutral standpoint, you weigh the facts, you try to arrive at an unbiased conclusion, but you can't, you, you, but that's not, you're not making any uh, common cause there with a Marxist who's using their definition of critical thinking. They will use the term critical thinking, but it means something a little different to them. It means criticality, deconstructing. So when they say we're teaching critical thinking, mm-hmm. they are. You just have a different definition. Uh, let me go over here to, there's an email from Tim. Uh, Pete, I think the people who want to suppress, who want to suppress free speech fall into one or more of the following categories. One, they are lazy minded and cannot really debate someone else on a subject. That is true. Number two, they're wannabe totalitarians who mask their agendas until they gain total control. Yes, that is it. Number three, they are snowflakes who were never challenged in childhood. I would agree with all three of those, Tim. I think that's accurate. Yeah, this is why I say, and I have said for 15 years now, unchallenged ideas are easy to hold. Anybody can have an idea that they never verbalize, and they have this idea that's whack. That's crazy. But if you never tell anybody, you never articulate it, and you never have anybody challenge it, and nobody ever says, wow, that's crazy, that's whack. No, it's easy to hold. You're never challenged. That's why, like, doing this, there's a reason why leftist callers are so rare to conservative talk radio. And conservative hosts will take all comers. Conservative radio hosts, libertarians like myself, limited government guys— I want all of the lefties to call. I want to have those conversations with them. I want to have the arguments and the debates. But there's a reason why they don't. And I I totally get it. I couldn't defend that philosophy either. It's total crap. So, yeah, I could totally understand why you can't defend it. Unchallenged ideas are way easier to hold. By the way, remember the defunct Disinformation Governance Board at the Department of Homeland Security? That big brother agency eventually crumbled under public scrutiny, but not before the mainstream media tried desperately to keep it alive. Ed Morrissey at HotAir.com writes that NPR and other outlets insisted that DHS only meant to fight misinformation. That's all. 
but a new bunch of documents from a FOIA request from Americans for Prosperity Foundation sheds more light on DHS's intent and actions. Jonathan Turley wrote about it, and the agency had granted itself very broad authority to regulate public comment, and not just on the COVID-19 pandemic. They claimed the power to regulate speech on just about every front, especially on topics that generated massive criticism of the Joe Biden administration. DHS said that the agency could regulate speech related to the origins of the COVID-19 pandemic, the efficacy of the vaccines, racial justice, U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, and the nature of U.S. support to Ukraine, as well as irregular immigration. The inclusion of Afghanistan on the list, that's the tell, okay? That's the tell. It's the clearest indication that the true purpose of that board was to quash dissent and criticism of the Biden administration because the board was not launched until a year after Biden's withdrawal in Afghanistan. So why would you be trying to limit people's discussion on that matter a year afterwards? They were running interference for Joe. Speaking of Americans for Prosperity, I'll chat with the North Carolina chapter uh, representative after the news. 